The time is now. Volume 5, episode 109. This is a special weekend edition of Employment Law Now. I am Mike Schmidt, your host for this podcast and the Vice Chair of Labor and Employment at Cozen O'Connor. Do you all remember when at least we had our weekends until vaccine mandates and court decisions took that all away from us? Yes, Loverboy was so ahead of its time when it sung that back then in the 80s. Since November of this year, courts have been taking away our Fridays and weekends. Please feel free to submit comments, either individually as a, or as a trade organization, to that point as you see fit. But big happenings took place last night, again another Friday, Friday, December 17th, to start off this great mid-December weekend. The short version of it is that the OSHA Emergency Temporary Standard, otherwise known as the ETS, on vaccine and testing mandates, it is back on, back on for employers with over 100 employees for the moment, dot, dot, dot. Let's recap quickly to set the stage and give all of you another sense of how we got where we are now. It's only been six weeks, but this too has seemed like a lifetime. Back on Friday, November 5th, 2021, in response to President Biden's proclamation back in September, OSHA issued its ETS for employers having more than 100 employees with certain mandates. Those employers who were covered by the ETS had to develop a policy, decide whether it was going to be full mandatory vaccine or allow for a weekly testing and masking option for those who chose not to become fully vaccinated. The ETS also required that covered employers obtain vaccination status in a very particular way from its employees provide certain leave, paid leave, to get vaccinated and deal with the side effects of any vaccines. It also imposed certain record-keeping, accommodation, and other administrative and substantive requirements on covered employers. The first deadline for virtually all of the obligations under that ETS were required, was, was set for December 6, 2021, 
And then the second deadline for having to make sure employees were fully vaccinated or started to get their weekly testing, that was originally set for January 4th, 2022. Well, the very next day, Saturday, November 6th, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, as you all know by now, issued a stay of enforcement of that ETS pending further briefing and hearing. So that put the ETS to a grinding halt as of that Friday and Saturday. And then the following Friday, November 12th, you're starting to see this weekend trend. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals further stayed enforcement in an even lengthier decision that had extremely strong language, making most who read that decision a little weary of whether another court was going to come in and get rid of this stay and otherwise allow for the ETS to be enforced. So that greater decision on Friday, November 12th by the Fifth Circuit was a preliminary injunction against enforcement of OSHA's ETS pending judicial review. Because of the way that these kinds of multi-jurisdiction challenges to agency action go, we had to have a ping pong ball decide in a big mega millions like lottery on November 16th, 2021, what court of appeals around the country was going to be the one court to deal with consolidated challenges to the OSHA ETS. The good news is that that lottery was taking place on November 16th. It was a Tuesday. At least it was not something taking place on a Friday or a Saturday. The Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals won that big lottery, and it got to be the court who was going to hear and ultimately determine all of the challenges that had been presented around the country to the OSHA ETS. Well, it set up a somewhat accelerated briefing schedule, though it allowed for the schedule to breeze right past the original December 6th deadline in the ETS. According to that deadline, on November 23rd, 2021, the federal government submitted a motion seeking to dissolve and get rid of the Fifth Circuit's stay. On December 7th, the challengers to the ETS filed opposition to that motion. And on December 10th, the government filed its reply. And since December 10th, we have been waiting for a decision. Since that Friday, December 10th, we waited every day this past week for a decision. But we all knew that from Monday to Thursday, there wasn't going to be a lot of action. We knew this was going to be something that took place on a Friday. And lo and behold, last night, Friday night, December 17th, while so many of you were in the middle of having dinner and a little tequila, at least that's what I heard, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a rather huge and somewhat surprising decision that dissolved and effectively got rid of the Fifth Circuit's stay of enforcement for the OSHA ETS. For those that have been thinking 
this is very political in terms of which judges are making these decisions. And there was so much talk leading up to the lottery on November 16th. Well, which court was going to get awarded this big, huge, momentous decision ability? Was it going to be one that had a majority of Democrats um, who appointed the judges? Was it going to be one that had a majority of Republican appointed judges? And once the Sixth Circuit won, the whole debate was, is this going to be decided by a panel of three judges or the full Sixth Circuit? For those thinking that this was solely political, it's interesting to note that three judges decide uh, issued this decision last night. It was a two-to-one decision, and for the two judges that acted as the majority in dissolving the stay, one was a Democratic-appointed judge and one was a Republican-appointed judge. There was one dissent, and that was by a Republican-appointed judge. Primarily, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in its decision last night rejected the Fifth Circuit's argument that OSHA likely exceeded its authority in promulgating this ETS. And I want to read you a few points from this decision because I find some of this so interesting, not just in the substance, but also in the form of this. As I told you a couple of podcast episodes ago when reading other decisions, You can sort of get a sense of where the court is going right from the opening paragraph of the decision. And in this case, that's true as well. Because unlike prior decisions, which seem to start off almost bashing OSHA, almost bashing the history of OSHA having lack of success with its relatively few ETS, almost bashing the Biden administration and federal government seeking to flex its muscles. Unlike those decisions, the very first paragraph of this Sixth Circuit decision last night went out of its way to talk about what COVID-19 is doing, what the impacts have been to the world. The very opening paragraph of the decision started out as follows. The COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc across America, leading to the loss of over 800,000 lives shutting down workplaces and jobs across the country, and threatening our economy. Throughout, American employees have been trying to survive financially and hoping to find a way to return to their jobs. Despite access to vaccines and better testing, however, the virus rages on, mutating into different variants and posing new risks, end quote. And as you start to read this decision, you start to think, well, unless the court's really about to do a, yeah, but... It seems that this two-judge majority is really looking at, well, what kind of emergency situation do we continue to be in? And perhaps not just what emergency situation have we been in, but where are we right now with the variants? Where are we right now and where are we going to be in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, as the world seems to be getting a little crazy with the variant and the Uh, shutting down, perhaps, and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. The federal government needs to act, it seems like the Sixth Circuit is starting to say. And still in the first paragraph, it writes, quote, in need of guidance on how to protect their employees from COVID-19 transmission while reopening business, employers turned to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, the federal agency tasked with assuring a safe and healthful workplace. Well, at this point, 
it was clear to me that without reading the rest of the 37-page decision, the Sixth Circuit seemed to be taking a different approach from the Fifth Circuit that originally stayed enforcement. And in fact, as you went to the next part of the decision, the Sixth Circuit starts going into OSHA's history and authority, not to talk about where it has failed or where it has previously been found to exceed its authority, but how it has been allowed to do what it has done, and in fact, what type of broad authority OSHA has had. The Sixth Circuit decision in this regard starts off by saying, quote, Congress passed the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970 and established OSHA to assure safe and healthful working conditions for the nation's workforce and to preserve the nation's human resources. It also went on to say that Congress vested the Secretary with broad authority to promulgate different kinds of standards for health and safety in the workplace. In fact, the Sixth Circuit decision uses the term broad several times throughout the decision. Going through a little bit of this history, the Sixth Circuit then concludes, quote, given OSHA's clear and exercised authority to regulate viruses, OSHA necessarily has the authority to regulate infectious diseases that are not unique to the workplace. Indeed, no virus, HIV, HBV, COVID-19, is unique to the workplace and affects only workers, end quote. That was one of the arguments that the challengers have raised and that the Fifth Circuit seemed to accept, that OSHA's authority only extends to regulating the workplace, but that COVID-19 is something that is more ubiquitous, something that affects things outside of the workplace too, and OSHA therefore doesn't have true authority to regulate those types of diseases. The Sixth Circuit seemingly rejects that. It went on, the responsibility the act imposes on OSHA to protect the safety and health of employees, moreover, is hardly limited to, quote, hard hats and safety goggles, end quote. The Sixth Circuit concludes that OSHA has wide discretion to form and implement the best possible solution to ensure the health and safety of all workers and has historically exercised that discretion. Again, using these terms broad discretion, wide discretion, and making it clear that the Sixth Circuit does not believe that this is OSHA coming in and doing something for the very first time, either politically motivated or for some other reason, the Sixth Circuit believes that OSHA has done exactly this kind of action, taken this kind of action in the past. So the Sixth Circuit first established that OSHA does have wide and broad statutory authority to do this. It then looks to the major questions doctrine that had been raised by the challengers and in the Fifth Circuit decision which the Sixth Circuit says was only addressed by the Fifth Circuit in a single paragraph. It is a seldom used doctrine, this major questions doctrine, and the doctrine essentially is that if any agency is implementing regulatory action that will, quote, bring about an enormous and transformative expansion in that agency's regulatory authority, end quote, then that can only be done if Congress has clearly spoken and has expressly allowed that agency to take some action on such a major question. The Sixth Circuit very quickly 
dismisses that major questions doctrine that the challengers in the Fifth Circuit relied on, saying that the major questions doctrine is inapplicable here, however, because OSHA's issuance of the ETS is not an enormous expansion of its regulatory authority. Again, going back to the part of history where OSHA has successfully done what it has been doing, OSHA has regulated workplace health and safety on a national scale since 1970, including controlling the spread of disease, so the Sixth Circuit says. So the ETS is not a novel expansion of OSHA's power. It is an existing application of authority to a novel and dangerous worldwide pandemic. So the Sixth Circuit found that OSHA is not likely to be held to have exceeded its authority. It also finds that the major questions doctrine is inapplicable. So the Sixth Circuit decision last night then moves into the more substantive challenges to the ETS that were presented. And in doing so, the Sixth Circuit says, quote, we rely on the extensive preamble to the ETS and the record before the courts, end quote. In fact, for those of you who read that entire ETS, including the preamble, you will remember that OSHA went out of its way to talk about its history, to talk about its authority, and to talk about all of the significant studies, financial and otherwise, that supported what it was doing in uh, implementing the ETS. The Sixth Circuit found that the ETS is likely to be held to be necessary. The Sixth Circuit says that coupled with FDA-approved vaccines, more widespread testing capabilities, the recognized Delta variant and the possibility of new variants, it all supports OSHA's conclusion that the current situation is an emergency and one that can be ameliorated by agency action. Next, the Sixth Circuit found that there was a grave danger. The Sixth Circuit found that the Fifth Circuit conclusion, unadorned by precedent, that OSHA is required to make findings of exposure or at least the presence of COVID-19 in all covered workplaces, is simply wrong. Again, addressing this challenge that because OSHA seemingly drew this arbitrary line of 100 employees or more, there can't possibly be a grave danger that is being addressed. And the Sixth Circuit essentially said that the Fifth Circuit was wrong. You can still show grave danger even if you are limiting the scope of your uh, emergency temporary standard to only certain workplaces. So the Sixth Circuit ultimately said that based on the substantial evidence referenced and relied upon by OSHA, there is little likelihood of success for the challenges against OSHA's basis for issuing the ETS. So remember, let's always keep in mind the procedural context that we're talking about here. Like the Fifth Circuit initial stay back in November, this decision last night by the Sixth Circuit is just a procedural one, just dealing with injunctive relief and specifically whether the Fifth Circuit stay from November can continue or should be dissolved. It is not yet a decision by the Sixth Circuit on the merits, the ultimate question of whether this ETS is valid or must be deemed invalid. Although, like we said with most other injunctive decisions at the early stages, this decision last night by the Sixth Circuit 
does indicate where the Sixth Circuit, at least this majority of this three-judge panel, is likely to go if it is the panel that continues to hear the merits. More on that in a second. The rest of the decision was uh, spent by the Sixth Circuit last night rejecting all of the constitutional arguments, whether the Commerce Clause, the non-delegation doctrine, rejecting the constitutional challenges that were brought against OSHA's ETS. And toward the end of the decision, the Sixth Circuit then says, quote, the foregoing analysis shows that petitioners cannot establish a likelihood of success on the merits, and this reason alone is sufficient to dissolve the stay, end quote. The Sixth Circuit, in other words, could have stopped there because the element requiring a likelihood of success it found did not exist. But the Sixth Circuit went further. Quote, we also conclude, however, that petitioners have not shown that any injury from lifting the stay outweighs the injuries to the government and the public interest. End quote. The Sixth Circuit went out of its way to say that the Fifth Circuit, quote, failed to analyze any harm to OSHA, instead baldly concluding that a stay will do OSHA no harm whatsoever, end quote. As a result, the Sixth Circuit decided to reject the Fifth Circuit ultimate conclusion and engage in its own balancing of the respective parties' harm. It starts off by saying that the injuries asserted by all who challenge the ETS are entirely speculative. On the other hand, the Sixth Circuit found in its penultimate paragraph in last night's decision, quote, the costs of delaying implementation of the ETS are comparatively high. Fundamentally, the ETS is an important step in curtailing the transmission of a deadly virus that has killed over 800,000 people in the United States, brought our healthcare system to its knees, forced businesses to shut down for months on end, and cost hundreds of thousands of workers their job. The harm to the government and the public interest outweighs any irreparable injury to the individual petitioners who may be subject to a vaccination policy, particularly here where petitioners have not shown a likelihood of success on the merits. In light of the foregoing, we find that the factors regarding irreparable injury weigh in favor of the government and the public interest, end quote. So the Sixth Circuit's decision last night dissolving the stay started off in the same place that it ended off, and that is looking at this generational global pandemic and believing that this federal government agency, OSHA, had the authority to implement its ETS to address this emergency and did not exceed its authorities or the Constitution in how it went about doing that. So where are we now on this day, Saturday, December 18th? Well, technically, uh, the ETS is not stayed anymore and it could go forward and OSHA could go ahead and enforce things. But what I think freaked a lot of people out last night and again this morning was this fact of, hey, the December 6th original deadline came and went. January 4th is right around the corner. What do we do? Well, OSHA has announced what it was planning to do with regard to the deadlines. And it has said that it will move those deadlines and otherwise simply 
not go after employers who seemingly are acting in good faith to try to comply with this Sixth Circuit decision and now the ETS. OSHA issued the following statement on its website, OSHA.gov. Quote, to account for any uncertainty created by the stay, OSHA is exercising enforcement discretion with respect to the compliance dates of the ETS, end quote. So what does that mean? That means that virtually all of the deadlines, particularly the administrative ones, like having to come up with a policy, uh, obtaining vaccination status of the employees, providing leave, and all of the other, again, administrative type requirements, that deadline, instead of December 6th, is now January 10th, 2022. But the bigger one, the deadline for employers who have more than 100 employees to either mandate vaccines or to start requiring weekly testing, instead of January 4th, that has now been pushed a little bit more than a month to February 9th, 2022. So employees of covered employers do not have to be fully vaccinated or start the weekly testing until February 9th, 2022. And OSHA has already said that it will not really be issuing citations for non-compliance before those deadlines so long as, quote, an employer is exercising reasonable good faith efforts to come into compliance with the standard. End quote. So I suppose employers who are otherwise covered under the ETS have a little bit of breathing room. But will we even get to January 10th? Will we even get to February 9th? More breaking news. Last night, last night, Friday night, a couple of hours after the Sixth Circuit decision was issued, a group of 26 trade associations filed an emergency petition with the United States Supreme Court asking for an immediate stay of the Sixth Circuit decision and effectively asking the Supreme Court to put back in the stay of enforcement of this ETS. As of right now, which is early afternoon, Saturday, December 18th, the Supreme Court has not issued any decision. But that is a big question. Will the Supreme Court step in and grant an immediate temporary stay? Will they do that before January 10th, before February 9th? Will they do that before the end of this weekend? I promise I will keep my podcast microphone on just in case we get further developments today or tomorrow. So lastly, what do you do if you are an employer with more than 100 employees and you might be covered by this ETS. Well, I think what you need to be doing now is still take a bit of a wait and see approach. By the time you get back to work on Monday, the Supreme Court may have stayed the whole thing anyway, in which case you will never get back the time you have spent listening to this moot podcast episode. But the Supreme Court may not act. We also don't know what will happen in terms of the Sixth Circuit and whether a larger group before perhaps the Supreme Court issues a decision takes up this issue further. But if the Supreme Court does not issue a temporary immediate stay on things, as a potentially covered employer under the ETS, you should at least start planning 
if you hadn't already before the stay was put in place in November. You should figure out what you want to do, though maybe not yet invest significant money in implementing your plans. In other words, maybe don't put down any deposits or enter into any kind of contracts with third-party vendors, third-party testing entities, if that's the way you were going to go. So just continue to maybe start planning. OSHA, as I said a moment ago, will be looking at employers' good faith if this whole thing is not stayed before the compliance deadlines. OSHA will be looking for good faith, and if employers can at least show that they have been planning, they have been trying to keep up with their obligations, even if not perfectly at the end of the day, that will go a large, uh, a long way, I think, in any subsequent OSHA enforcement, even if OSHA does get to your front door with a citation. If you are a union shop, if you do have unions and unionized employees, certainly you should probably reach out to those union representatives if you hadn't already to discuss what options there are in the event the ETS is not stayed again. As you all may remember, the general counsel of the NLRB recently said that what options an employer is going to pick within the confines of the ETS is something that is the subject of collective bargaining. So what's going to happen? When is the Supreme Court going to act? Is OSHA going to do something further? Are we going to hear further from another court? What to make of all of the recent state and local mandates and prohibitions that have been enacted and put into place while the ETS has been stayed. We still do have a whole bunch of questions that need to be answered. Most likely those answers will come on a Friday or a Saturday. Maybe we'll even hear something again by the end of this weekend. But rest assured, you can get the latest through this podcast, if you download it, if you subscribe to it, and I appreciate all of you who continue to do that. You also could follow me on Twitter, which is where I've been commenting last night and this morning on all of this stuff, as I usually do when it comes to employment law developments and trends. My Twitter handle is at mschmidtemplaw. That's at mschmidtemplaw. Otherwise, again, keep it right here. I really appreciate, as always, all of you listening to this podcast. And until the next time, which may be later today or tomorrow, I hope all of your labor is productive.